MP, I've got a secret. You're having a baby, Bretto. <laughs> no, MP. You're moving to Byron. Not yet. You've got me a Christmas present. Well, maybe. But that's not the secret. What is it, Bretto? I'm not telling. Mate, that is just cruel. <laughs> I'll tell you next week. When will you tell me, Bretto? Well, Monday, November 26th, 8 a.m. MP. Put it in the calendar. It is big news. And I think thousands of Wellness Couch podcast listeners will love it. All right, Bretto. It's in the calendar. 8 a.m. Monday, November 26th to get Bretto's big news. Make sure you get your emails by signing up at thewellnesscouch.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at thewellnesscouch. Do it now before the secret gets out. Do you want to know the secret, MP? Stop teasing, Bretto. This edition of 100 Not Out proudly brought to you by the 2019 Greek Island Longevity Experience in Ikaria. Join Damien Christoph and myself for 10 days on the island where people forget to die. Live with the locals, drink the wine, eat the food and discover the longevity lifestyle with a select group of like-minded people just like you who will become friends for life. Activities include stunning hikes, cooking classes, essential oil workshops, festivals and dancing, grape stomping and wine harvesting, village hopping, beach days on the Aegean Sea, farming and foraging with the locals and so much more. For dates, details, highlights of previous events and to apply, go to 100notout.com. Group size limited to 16 and applications processed on a first-in, first-served basis. TheWellnessCoach.com Streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to 100 Not Out, featuring your hosts, Dr. Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce. Welcome to 100 Not Out, a weekly show dedicated to helping you master the art of aging well. Marcus Pierce here with you, and as always, it gives me great pleasure to bring on the co founder of the Wellness Couch and the Wellness Guys. The incredible non-vegan, omnivorous, uh, nutrition, uh, I'm not going to say, uh, he's at the nexus of nutrition. He is <laughs> the rock star of wellness, Dr. Damien Christoph. Hello, legend. Hello, legend. How are you, mate? Mate, I'm well. You've seen so many uh, uh, fad diets through your time. And if there is one thing we know about aging well, it is a, it is a non-fad Lifestyle, and that is why uh, this episode proudly brought to you by the 100 Not Out Longevity Experience 2019 on the Greek island of Ikaria. It is 10 days of non-fad activities, experiences. We dance, which has been around for years. We mm. eat, which has been around for years. We eat bread. We eat meat. You can go vegan if you want to, which we'll touch on this topic. Drink wine. This episode. We drink wine, which has been going since Jesus was in nappies um, or before. <laughs> Um, we... It tastes like it too, actually, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> we walk, we hike, which has been going on for years. We converse and have conversations and talk about the meaning of life. We do all of this over 10 days, September 4 to 13, on the Greek island of Ikaria, known as the island where people forget to die. It's not a Korean island. It's not in Korea. It's Ikaria, I-K-A-R-I-A. All the details and the application form is at 100notout.com. This is by application only. Damien or myself will contact you directly to check that you are the right fit for the trip. You must apply. It is free to apply. You answer a few questions, not 20 questions, just a few, and then we'll give you a call and discuss whether Ikaria 2019 is for you. Legend, I touched on veganism. You did. Um, you were a vegan. Let's just put that out there. Raging you vegan, did. not just a vegan. Raging. Raging ra- vegan. Yeah. And um, it, it, it was pulsing through my veins for seven years and, and included uh, a large stint off the grog as well. 
Um, it was in many ways a holier than thou uh, stint of veganism over six or seven years. I was consuming dates by the truckload on the way home from the gym in our little Fiat. Um, fix it again tomorrow uh, over in Ireland. Um, the fix it again tomorrow, bustling up the hills of Donegal Town, chomping on some dates, uh, thinking that I was just doing all of the right things, uh, still with pimples on my face and uh, blotches probably, over my probably body. Probably from the dates. Uh, probably from the dates. Um, and learning a lot about life, uh, but pretty slowly, I'm a slow learner, uh, realizing that maybe the uh, copious amounts of chickpeas and legumes and... Quinoa and rice and yeah. bread and pasta and uh, lentil bolognese and uh, all the different juices and smoothies without some of the other things uh, wasn't going to satisfy me for the rest of my life. And um, one of one of uh, your colleagues in the chiropractic world sent through a, a wonderful, I suppose, resource article recently um, linking to a significant study. Um, which was actually done by uh, or led by a researcher, and we'll refer to this throughout the article, led by a researcher whose own daughter um, was vegan. And the headline is, 84% of vegetarians and vegans return to meat, and why is that the case? Um, and I thought, let's talk about this because we often say on this on this podcast, we are still looking for a 100-year-old 100, 100 vegan that has been vegan since birth. Um, and... We're still yet to find one. <laughs> I don't know if we will. I don't know if we will. It's funny. Um, I was driving. I dropped Amber off at the train this morning. She's catching the train into the city at the moment. And uh, I turned on to um, the radio station with Mike Perso. And now Mike Perso has been around for years and he's a bit of a dork. Let's, you know, he's, oh, he's a bit oh, Hello to our bit, good friend, Mike. He, well, he is. He's a bit daggy and he's like you and I. Like he's, Oh, in he's, a good way. Yeah. Oh, good. I thought you were like having a go at him. No, not at all. No. Um, And Mike uh, said, uh, how do you know if someone's a vegan? And uh, and I I can't recall who's actually on the radio with him in the morning, but only because I don't listen to that radio station normally. Um, But they've been together for years. And, And she said, I don't know. And he said, just wait five minutes and they'll tell you. And I thought that's hilarious because that's that's really true. Like that's kind of a bit like, you know anything else that that is a fad? Anything that um, has a bit of extra enthusiasm, or it's a, a bit faddish, or it requires evangelists to get the message going. Um, this this is what we see. And so the other day when you and I were in uh, Queensland in Cairns, there was a girl making coffees. I don't know if you remember her name was. I spoke little... to Lauren. Lauren, it was yeah. Lauren. Yeah, hello, Lauren. I hope she's listening. Good day, Lozzie. And Lozzie said um, that she was, you know, trying to decrease her um, her animal intake and, you know, was on the verge of becoming vegan. And I said, oh, how come? And he said, well, all the research that's out there for it. And I said, what, for vegan? And she said, no, no, all the research that tells you that meat's bad for you. And I said, oh, wow, what's, what's the research? And she said, oh, it's all out there. Like, there's heaps. There's so much research. You know, a friend of mine was telling me the other day, you just got to jump into Google and you can find it. Like, if you go to Google and search, is meat bad for me? You'll see all the research. It's all there. And um, and I said, oh, okay. And, and so what have you seen? She said, well, I haven't seen any, but my friend told me. And so, it, and it just makes sense. Like, meat has to be bad for you because it's another animal. We're not meant to eat other animals. And I thought, oh, dear. Like, this is, this is, 
you know, basically what this article goes on to talk about um, in terms of the Humane Research Council using um, market research opinions of people to then go and, you know, create stories so that, you know, people with interest can actually start to spread messages. And and it's working. It is. I might, seeing- do you reckon uh, – you reckon – uh, I read this article so so um people can see why people like Lauren and and many many of us have yes. kind of gone down this path of you know diet by association really so so well, this, yeah okay do so it, this do it. just read the three paragraphs so this lead researcher uh, starts off with one of my daughters recently asked me for suggestions on the types of meat she might enjoy I was shocked a vegetarian for nearly eighteen years she has always found meat rather icky. In retrospect, I should not have been surprised about her new interest in carnivory. After all, as a research, I've studied vegetarians who return to meat, but I never figured she would join the ranks of ex-vegetarians, so I asked her to jot down a few words about why she originally gave up the consumption of flesh and why she now feels compelled to change her veggie ways. Here's what she wrote. Um, open brackets. I stopped eating meat when I was 13. I told my mum and dad that my decision was based on animal welfare and the higher carbon footprint of meat. But the truth is that while I theoretically cared about animals and the planet, mostly I just wanted to be different. I lived in a small southern uh, US town where it was more common to see the image of Jesus in a piece of toast than encounter a real live vegetarian. So while my motives weren't entirely pure, giving up meat certainly made me different. Population of Cullowee, uh, NC, is that North Carolina? 9,427 meat eaters and one vegetarian. Uh, for the next 17 years, I ate grains, produce, legumes, and fake meat products like those Morningstar bacon strips that have a lower nutritional value than cat food. And for the next 17 years, it seemed like I was always hungry, no matter how large my bowl of beans and rice. Even worse than constant hunger, I did not seem to enjoy food the way other people did, eating with your paying bills, but even more annoying because if I didn't do it, I would die. I was sick of being hungry. I was sick of beans and rice. And so at the age of 31, I have made a decision. I will try and become a meat eater. Interesting, isn't it? Um, then it just says, yeah, thanks to a new study by the Humane Research Council, we now know a lot more about the psychology of why so many vegetarians and vegans like my daughter give up their all veggie ways. And a lot of it is, as, as, as the study goes on, um, is that they, they want to be different. They want to I- express um, some form of uniqueness. Yeah, that's exactly right. They, they want to be different. Um, and not necessarily, you know, for wanting uh, attention, but it's it's really just to to feel different rather than actually just going along with the you know becoming what I suppose people would call a sheeple, um, and just you know flying their own flag you know tr- doing their own journey but really just probably not doing it really well here's and, and then of I course just, paying the price. Here's something I just thought of, and and this might be completely off off. Uh, just just bring me back if this is way out of line. But so meat has become um, not meat, just the food that we eat has become almost. Uh, a way for us to differentiate ourselves or give ourselves some type of um, identity or label, um, some type of status, which for me is sad um, that, that, that a lot of people's self-esteem is now wrapped around the food that they eat. Whereas I feel on a real base level, particularly when we've interviewed, you know, some of the people that we've interviewed on this podcast and, and the people that have lived before us, is that what really on a core level differentiates people the most is is more the doing what they love, loving what they do, like finding a purpose or a passion, um, painting like no one else paints, dancing like no one else dances, um, adjusting someone's spine like no one else does, um, speaking like no one else, writing like no one else, crafting poetry, making gardens, whatever it is. It's it's more a, a career, a life purpose that 
tends to differentiate people. But my insight or maybe, you know, uh, dinner party question is with more and more people more sheep-like with their work life in that they're craving the certainty of just getting the bills paid and getting a roof over their head and not really uh, doing work that they enjoy, just doing work that subsists them, then outside of that, they look for a way to express some form of difference or uniqueness um, and and food is a way to do that. What do you reckon? Well, I think that's very true. I, I, I 100% agree with that, Piercy. And I uh, I think about it too because when I was studying naturopathy, um, I remember going over to my girlfriend at the time's house, Jenny's house, and sitting there at the Sunday roast. And I think I've told you the story before. And, is Jenny the um, friend of my cousin or is that a different? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's your your cousin's uh, bestie from um, high school. And uh, I was sitting there and Maureen and Brian said, Damien, you know, would you like some lamb? And uh, and, and Maureen's a nurse and Brian's an accountant. And, uh, and Jenny looked at me and I said, look, guys, I'm vegetarian. And they said, oh, okay. I think this might have been the first dinner. And uh, and her, and Jenny's brother was there, and Jenny's sister was there. She's a physiotherapist, and her brothers uh, work, one of them works in the bank, and the other one was still doing high school. And uh, they all kind of looked at me. It was kind of like drop the mic, and uh, the it was the the chink of a fork on a plate was the sound. And I felt proud to say that I was a vegetarian. And then I went on and proceeded to say that you know the smell of the meat. <laughs> 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 the smell of the meat that you can smell that smells so good they're like yeah and i said that's the smell of the hormones the fear hormones of the animal um that are circulating through its its meat at the moment and you can smell that because you've burned off the hormones and and that's what it was you know and i don't know where the hell i got all that sort of information but the research you got that from the researchers all over google all you have to do well, is type it there was no Google back then, let me tell you. We're talking like back in 1994 um, and so 24 years ago. The fascinating thing is is that I wholeheartedly believe that with my whole um, my whole being and I bought into that whole process, the whole story about you know everything to do with that and maybe a fraction of that could be true. Um, but because I'd labelled myself as a vegetarian and I was steadfast in, in you know, ensuring that I remained vegetarian, um, I was more likely – to go and buy some McDonald's fries um, to get me through the night than to sit down and eat something that contained Oh, yeah, chips and salad. Chips and salad was my pub meal. <laughs> you know, this is nothing it, Nothing on right? the menu. I'll just get, I'll just get fried chips, which are no doubt in some type of vegetable, canola oil or something else, yeah. with some GMO, you know, green beans from China that have been- Totally. You know, validated. half-boiled that's, in that's- chlorinated water and- this is it. I yeah. know. This is it. So that kind of validated me, gave me a label. And so going back to your whole label thing, um, I like the word you use, subsistence. I want to I want to understand what that means. What is subsistence? Oh, mean? no, that's more like, you know, so uh, Yanni and Joanna in uh, Ikaria would be yeah. more subsistence farmers where they're just farming to, to, to live. They're not farming to sell off and make a career out of it, if you know what I mean. They're just farming to. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, right. If they don't farm, they don't eat. Right. Okay. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Right. Well. Yeah. So you know, for me, um, it did become a label. It became something that I could pin myself to, and a cause that I was, you know, proud and passionate of, albeit not really understanding it. To give you an idea, like at, at the time when I was studying to be a naturopath, somebody came up to me and said, "Oh, mate, that's so cool. You're studying to be a naturopath." I said, "Oh, thanks." He said, "My my sister's studying to be a homeopath." I'm like, "Oh, cool." And, and he said, "How cool is that?" And I said, "Yeah." 
And he said, uh, you know, you guys are pretty much the same, aren't you? And I said, oh, no, we're so different. And like, I didn't even know what a homeopath was back then. So my whole um, knowledge base was so slight and so narrow that all I all I kind of could pin myself to was all that I knew. And I, I actually, in that stage of my life, probably wasn't really that um, open to learning a whole lot of stuff because I felt like I knew everything I needed to know. And I think a lot of people that go down this line of – you know, pinning a diet to themselves, feel that they've learned all that they need yeah, to learn. Yeah, there's a stop learning factor. This is it. They, they feel like, like they've arrived because veganism arrived. is very much attached to forms of enlightenment. The, the amount of times that vegans refer to Buddhist monks or Indian yogis or some kind of esoteric Asian guru um, as a form of the kind of role model of veganism is almost like a, a hint or a clue that uh, being vegan is you've reached the end point of uh, uh, that that portion of your enlightenment as in nutritional um, and that will allow you to move on to higher planes of being without wanting to sound woo-woo about it. That's it's a, As a vibrational. That's how many vegans think. They feel like vibrationally that food lifts you up, uh, vegan food, you know, fruits and vegetables, nuts and seeds. I don't know about fake and bacon if that raises your vibration. But, <laughs> but you know. But why would you want to eat fake bacon if you – you know, you don't want to eat meat. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that, well, that's the that's the great question for a lot of – Yeah, well, particularly they would – generally a vegan would tell you that they would do that because it, no, no animals were, were killed in the in the process of that. But even that in itself is a really that, – that, that is something that a lot of vegans don't want to acknowledge. But I think what we need to remember is that eating meat is not just the only way that, that – animals are killed like there are so many other um animal products that go into things that we wouldn't even know of um whether it's the cars that we drive or even uh building materials and it's kind of it just it's out of this world how much uh animals are used in the process of things but if you took that back 100 or 200 or 300 years it was no different as well. I mean, even if you just look at the carpets that people held or the, the dunas. Well, I mean, do you remember when duck you were growing feathers. up, the, the lamb's wool? You'd have yep, you know, my cousins that yep. lived in Gisborne in Victoria and it's you know <laughs> super cold. They'd be attached to their lamb's wool. Yeah. Now, your, mo- your moccasins. Your moccasins. Your now, look, I don't know enough about all of that stuff to know whether uh, uh, a shearing lamb is, is, is uh, what the vegans think about. Shearing, I don't know where they go on wool because the lamb, the the sheep doesn't die. Um, but for many, many, many years, we have lived off a um, off off animals, not just for fuel, but for keeping warm and and many other things as well. Oh, that's, Look at that's Yanni's goat bag in Ikaria. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, so that's, that's like right. a whole nose to tail type for like, not just in in eating, but just in in living. He uses that as a bag to put all of his harvest in and it's kind of yeah it's so anyway that's why i say it's it's an interesting conversation but particularly the one about many people going back to eating meat you know you and i have been vegan or vegetarian and returned i know cindy was uh vegan or vegetarian or she's definitely vegetarian for a period of time a lot of people that we know have returned this study says that 84 percent of vegetarians return 70 percent of vegans return so more vegetarians return than vegans and i would say from that in my conversations with vegans not sure what you think but vegans definitely have uh, particularly the honest ones will say that being a vegan is so much a part of their identity now mm. that even if they wanted to go back to eating meat 
they just couldn't deal with the identity change in terms of all the questions they would get from family and friends and uh, particularly family and friends, maybe colleagues, almost to the point where they would feel hypocritical because they have been telling people that the hormones, that the smell of meat is the, the, the fear hormones and all the rest of it. <laughs> so there's a part of it that is so ingrained that there's almost like a fear that, well, I don't want to be now wrong, if that makes sense. It takes you it know? takes a little bit to acknowledge that you were um, not right, not necessarily wrong, but not right, or it could have been done better. So for me to be able to turn around and say, I didn't do it well, um, and I was the sickest I've ever been when I was, you know, when I was eating that way. Um, I think that takes something. I think people have got to be able to acknowledge that, um, and you know, and and then rightly move on from what they're doing if it's not working for them. If that makes sense. And um, there's a situation. Two of our great mates um, have professed to not drinking alcohol um, ever, um, or you know, for a long, long time. Uh, one of them started drinking alcohol again, and the other one hasn't um, started drinking alcohol again. Um, but it became something that needed to be justified. And then now I've got other mates who are, have dropped off alcohol and they're now saying, now I don't drink alcohol. Um, I'm doing it for longevity reasons or I want to live a long time and I'm not drinking alcohol um, or, or or whatever, you know, for whatever reason. So, again, like it's this extreme behavior mm. that um, I, don't, I don't want to say the word is isolating or alienating or whatever else, but it's an extreme behavior. Um you know, for something that may be of benefit or that may help people reach an enlightenment phase or, or whatever it is. But it doesn't mean that you're right or you're wrong for drinking alcohol um, or not drinking alcohol. It's just that it should be okay to do as you please without having to cast dispersion or to, um, you know, put expectations on other people in the way in which they should behave. Um, I think that's important. I think the enlightened vegan is someone that, also does what all the spiritual gurus talk about and that is that they don't judge. That there's no judgment <laughs> do, on others. Do you think so? I think that would that that but well, I, that that's important for all one. of the meat eaters on vegans as well, right? I think it yeah. it goes both ways. But then I also think and I know you've referred to your great mate Brian Kelly as well who does vegan very well. Um, he used to he's he's now not doing it. Okay, so no. he's one of the he's, 70%. He's yep. So I know someone that doesn't drink. Um Shout out to 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 uh, Darren Crichton Brown, who we both worked with up in uh, Cairns last yeah. week at the Go yeah. Vita Conference. He does it incredibly well. Like he Very doesn't well. profess, he doesn't doesn't say that his way is the only way or whatever. Um, that's that's just his experience, and that's what he chooses to do. And it's not socially awkward and all the rest of it. He's very comfortable in his own skin, but he doesn't judge others for having a drink. And I think mm. it's I think that's that's the key is just if you do choose a certain way of life. Being comfortable with that, but also letting everyone else do their own thing. And then yeah. the other thing that you said about it takes a it takes a fair bit of um courage or or to to make a shift is my general view is is the more self deprecating the better. Like if you can take the Mickey out of yourself, if you are if you are deciding to come out of a um if you've been in a certain diet, whether it's paleo or vegan or whatever you've been doing, and you want to change that. Just take the mickey out of yourself because I, I tend to think in my experience, I'm not sure about yours, Damo, but my mates felt so much, they were so great in kind of not um, not uh, taking the mickey out of me but kind of going, mate, like so glad that you, you know, have a piece of meat or or have a beer or whatever it was um, but they weren't, they weren't like any more or any less mates but it was just nice to be able to talk to them and me go, wow, it wasn't that hilarious when I was having a, 
quinoa salad and you were all having a pizza <laughs> for dinner, just to be able to laugh about it rather yeah, totally. than rather than get on a high horse about it. Because if you can't laugh about anything that you've done in your life, good, yeah. bad, right, wrong, serious, not serious, whatever, then I do think you're in Struggleville. It'll be really hard to, to make any shifts. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I agree with you. And it's actually, it's a really nice, refreshing thing and a healing thing to be able to take, take the, uh, the mickey out of yourself. And yeah. it just, you know, we love doing that, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe absolutely. it annoys some people too much, but we don't take anything too seriously. <laughs> nah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. Funny. Nah, look, I think, I, I think the wrap up from this conversation is that if you want to be vegetarian or vegan, that's totally fine. Don't beat yourself up if you choose not to be in the future. If you don't want to be a vegan or vegetarian at this point in time and then you do want to do it or flirt with it at some point in your, in your life, then that's also totally fine. Mm. But just, you know, keep in mind that with, with, with whichever um, approach that you use, it's your values and your judgment that you're using uh, to make that decision, which is really important for you, but it shouldn't be the case for everybody else. Um, and the reality is, is that there's no – hundred-year-old vegans or vegetarians out there. They just don't exist. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that uh, it's only because there's not enough vegans or vegetarians. It could actually mean that it's not the best way to live for longevity. And the flip side could be it might be that because there's so many carnivores or omnivores on the planet that the odds are stacked in their favor so that people who are going to live a long time anyway just lived a long time regardless of what they ate. And what Marcus and I have been finding out with 100 Not Out is that Food has very little to do with your longevity. It has a lot to do with the reduction of the risk of disease and maybe your well-being while you're alive, but not a whole lot to do with longevity. So, you know, put it into perspective, try not to go too hardcore with it, you know, keep a you know, sound mind, you know, with it and, you know, kind of just, you know, love your life I think is important. Yeah, and, and like you said at the beginning, do it for your reasons, not because your friend tells you to or because Dr. Google tells you to. Like, Be very clear and conscious as to why why you're making that decision um, and don't do it to keep up with the proverbial social media Joneses um, mm-hmm. that are splashing it all over Instagram and the, and the like. Um, all right, great man. Thanks again. Let's uh, talk some more. If you love these conversations, again, these are the conversations we have around the table in Ikaria, the Greek island where people forget to die, where they have 25% less cancer, 50% less heart disease, 75% less dementia, a nursing home with no more than six people in there on an island of 9,000. Absolutely fascinating place. And we are going back there for the third time, 2019, September 4 to 13. To apply, head on over to 100notout.com and then myself or Damien will connect with you personally to take you through the complete application process. Damo, thanks again for your company, your insights, and your wisdom on this episode. Thank you, Piercy. It's been a pleasure. To find out more about the great man, head on over to DamienChristoph.com. For myself, MarcusPierce.com.au. To uh, our editor, Joseph Tomo, thanks for your uh, contribution. To Rosie Garner and Cielo that do all the social media on the Wellness Couch. And to all of our lovely listeners, thank you for your loyalty. Make sure you share this podcast with a friend. Share with your friends how to listen to podcasts. You will open up a whole new world for them. And until next time, as always, continue to make the rest of your life the best of your life. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.